With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, and welcome back to Give and Go on GameTimeCT.com. I'm Scott Erickson, the girls' basketball writer for Game Time, and we are joined, as always, by Will Aldham. Will, how you doing this morning? Good, Scott. Ready for some semifinals. Yeah, that's right. We're getting you back on the basketball court now. You've been uh, wrestling and track and everything else, and it's such a busy time of year for the schools and for us, too. So, uh, yeah, you, where are you going tonight? I got uh, New Fairfield, Newtown, so that'll be a fun one. I think that's going to be an awesome game. Uh, I'm going to be up at Notre Dame, Fairfield, Colby, and then the rest of the week we have conference semis and finals, and the girls' pairings for the states come out Friday, so it's a really busy, busy time. Uh, let's talk about those SWC semis for a second. Um, you're going to be up at Newtown, New Fairfield. Um, New Fairfield shocked everybody. I, I picked Pomperog to win that game. Uh, and New Fairfield not only won the game, they won 44-17. to They held Pomperog to 17 points. I was shocked by that one. Um, and I think they're going to give Newtown a really good game tonight. Uh, what do you think about that game coming up? I mean, I like the fact that last time they played, we had a four-point game. So I'm hoping for something similar to that. I think that'd be great. Um, hopefully the power stays on when you're up at Newtown tonight. I, I, for those who don't know, I was up there on Friday. And during the pregame announcements uh, for Newtown, New Milford, uh, half the lights went out. And there was about a 10-minute delay. And they decided, look, we can play with this. Uh, it's not ideal, but we can play. So then they play the first half. Newtown's up you know, by 15 points or something at halftime. The teams go in the locker room. The referees go in the locker room. And all of a sudden, boom, all the lights except for one emergency light in the corner goes out. The gym's <laughs> completely dark. <laughs> I've been doing this for a while. Um, I've never been at a game where the power went out. I was at a Greenwich football game once where one bank of lights went out and they just, you know, they had to go to the other side of the field. I've never been at a total blackout like that. Uh, the school was out. I guess there was a transformer fire down the street. Uh, they went back and finished that game the next day at a different location at the Newtown Youth Academy or something. Uh, and Newtown ended up winning 57-25. You know, it was, they rolled to victory there. Um, so I think Newtown-New Fairfield is going to be a really good game tonight. And I think Colby's going to give Notre Dame a game. I, I, I'm not picking Colby to win, but I think Notre Dame is, is going to be challenged tonight by Colby. So we'll see how that game goes. Uh, let's move. We're just going to go through now and talk about the different conference tournaments. Who's left uh, in each one? And then we will get to our interview. We have a really good interview this week coming up with CIAC uh, Associate Executive Director, that's a mouthful, uh, Greg Simon. Uh, Greg's going to join us to talk about the girls' basketball state tournament, um, about the issue that we're all talking about, filling the brackets, the five divisions. And maybe we'll talk about some other things too and eventually get some good places to eat up in up in Cheshire for when we go up there. I do find myself in Cheshire quite a bit, and I always just go to Blackie's, the the hot dog spot. Have you been to that? No, never been. Never oh, been. man, if you ever go to Cheshire, go to Blackie's. That's my recommendation. <laughs> Free ads. 
Um, all right. Uh, the semifinals for the Shoreline are uh, the 25th. They are tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, number one seed, East Hampton, which has just rolled through the tournament so far. Uh, they're going to face the number five seed, Old Lyme. Uh, and at the bottom of that bracket, uh, we have Cromwell, uh, you know, the defending champions, taking on Morgan. Uh, you know, Morgan Cromwell game I think is going to be really, really good. Um, we'll see if Old Lyme can hang with East Hampton. They, you know, maybe they can. They Old Lyme knocked off Cogginchog. I thought Cogginchog was going to win that game. Uh, and then, you know, the final that I think, you know, everyone is kind of thinking will happen there is, is East Hampton against Cromwell. But you never know. Morgan's played really, really well this year. Um, we'll see if they can if they can pull that out. Um, let's jump over to the SEC uh, tournament. They had a lot of upsets there uh, over the weekend in the quarterfinals. Uh, in the SECs, um, we had uh, East Haven is the four seed. They've gotten through uh, in hand. So that the, on the top of the bracket, it's chalky. Um, hand beat North Haven, East Haven beat Lyman Hall. Lyman Hall was the 12. Uh, but then the bottom of the bracket, uh, defending champs, Hamden knocked off Sheehan. I, I don't know if anyone expected that necessarily outside of Hamden, but Hamden's been playing really well down the stretch. Uh, knocked off, you know, Caitlin Hunt and Sheehan there. And they're back in the semifinals for the second straight year where they're going to take on Shelton. Uh, Shelton knocked off Amity in a really close game, 49-47. So we'll see if Hamden can get back and defend that title. That would be really cool for Hamden. Um, that's a great program. They lost two really good players this year, uh, last year to graduation, two Division One players. Kind of had to rebuild this year a little bit, and they've done it, and they're back here now. Uh, so we'll see. Um, those games are tonight also, uh, Monday night, uh, Hand and East Haven, and their final is Wednesday, same as the SWC. Uh, and then if we slide over to the NVL for a second, um, their tournament has, you know, pretty much gone the way we thought it was going to go. Um, except, you know, Ansonia knocked off uh, Seymour. I think that was a super close game in the 4-5. Anytime you get a 4-5 uh, and, and get a 5 into the semis, that's not super shocking. But St. Paul has been the class of that uh, conference all year. They haven't lost a game yet. Uh, those semifinals are tonight also. So we have St. Paul and Ansonia, and then we have the number two seed, Holy Cross, taking on the number three seed, Sacred Heart. Those games are all going to be played at Kennedy High School uh, in Waterbury, which is a, a huge gym, usually ends up hosting some of the state tournaments and stuff. Um, I've always enjoyed Kennedy. It's, it's an old school, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good gym there. Uh, going over to the NCCC, three Cs, uh, Canton is the number one team there. Obviously, Canton has not lost in that conference in several years. Um, they're going to have a tough game in the semis against Windsor Locks. I think Windsor Locks is a good team and can hang with Canton. Uh, I'm going to pick Canton to go through, but I think Canton can, uh, I think Windsor Locks can give Canton a, a game at least. Um, and then the bottom, we have Suffield and Granby Memorial. Um, you know, I think that's a toss up game. I think both teams had really good seasons this year and, and I'm going to, I'm going to make my picks later and we'll post those on game time, but, uh, we'll see uh ecc is already in the championship game because they play at mohegan they got to get Mo you know book mohegan so we have nfa back in the championship game uh they weren't in it last year as vicky fulkerson pointed out to me um so new london's not in the championship the two-time defending champions lost to bacon academy by 18 points on saturday and bacon academy will get a shot uh at nfa to see if they can knock them off 
I'm not sure who I'm picking there. Um, NFA's had a great season, but Bacon's really surprised a lot of people, and we'll see if they can win that one. Um, and then the finals of the D2 tournament there is number one Putnam and number two Killingly. Uh, again, that's a toss-up game, uh, and th- that game is those games are going to be played Tuesday in the ECC, Mohegan Sun. So if you're in the area, you get a little uh, early taste of Mohegan Sun. You can you can head over there and watch those. It's awesome that they get to play their conference tournaments there. Uh, I, I think they drew pretty good crowds there the last couple of years. Uh, I know they did for the boys, and, and I'm pretty sure they did for the girls too. Uh, the CTC is in the semifinals. Uh, their semifinals are tomorrow. Uh, number one, Abbott Tech, and number four, Bullard Havens. We playing each other. This sh- could be the final. You know, Bullard ended up as the four seed because of a loss they took during the regular year. I think these are the two best teams in this conference. No effect. No offense to Goodwin Tech or Prince Tech, who are the you know the seven and the three playing in the other semis. But I think the winner of the Abbott Tech Bullard Havens game. Uh, we'll eventually win this championship. Um, the semis are at the sites of higher seeds, and then the championship game is at Grasso Tech. Uh, and that game is uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Sorry, Thursday. Uh, and what do we have? Oh, CCC. Yes, our guy Pete was up there. That was upset city on Saturday. Everybody went down. Number one, Newington went down uh, to Bloomfield. Uh, that was a big win for them, and then. Um, Bristol Eastern lost East Catholic. That wasn't actually an upset. East Catholic is the four seed, but we have the seeding in the final four for the CCC is is number eight Bloomfield against number four East Catholic, and then we have number ten Conard against number fourteen EO Smith. Um, Azia Felder has just been awesome for Conard. She's been carrying them. Uh, they beat Berlin, and they beat Windsor in this tournament already. Uh, Berlin's a team I really, really like. I still like them going into their state tournament, but Connor has just played awesome, awesome. Uh, the semis and the finals for that conference are going to be at Glastonbury. Uh, and finally, the Berkshire League. Uh, the Berkshire League is in their semifinals also. Um, over the weekend, uh, you know, Northwestern won. Um, Northwestern beat Gilbert uh, by 24, I think. Uh, and then Thomaston pulled their game out. So we have, again, and then in the top bracket, Housatonic was the five. They beat Chapag in a, in a close game, 49-45. Uh, so the number five seed goes on to face number one, Nanawag. Um, I like Nanawag. And then in that bottom game, I don't know, Northwestern, Thomaston, that's a toss-up for me. I, I'm not sure who I like in that one yet. I'll make that decision tomorrow when we, when we post the picks. But the picks for Monday will be up. Uh, if anyone listens to this on Monday, uh, the post, for, the picks for Monday will be up. You know, Monday afternoon and then Tuesday. I'm only doing okay in my picks this year. The, there's just been too many upsets, and I've I've been getting smacked around a little bit. So, uh, the CCC killed me, and the SEC hurt me a little bit too. All right, uh, that's the conference tournament outlook. Um, we're going to get to our interview now with uh, CIAC Associate Executive Director Greg Simon, and we will be right back with that. We are joined now by Greg Simon, the Associate Executive Director of the CIAC. Greg, welcome to Give and Go. Well, thank you so much for having me on this morning. I really appreciate it, and we at CIAC really appreciate all that Game Time does for our student-athletes here in Connecticut. You are an incredible organization. We appreciate all the media coverage you give to our kids. Wow, you're being so nice right off the bat. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, look, we, we know it's a crazy time of year for you guys. Um, first, you know, what's it like up at the CIAC right now as you're getting ready for all these winter tournaments? Yeah, it's kind of strange. I was in AD for a long, long time, and we always considered November and March to kind of be our downtimes in between seasons. And when I arrived at the CAC, uh, that all changed. You know, November and March kind of became our crazy time. So, you know, we had a we had a great uh, track open and and you know track meets uh, over the last week or so. And and every day up here is preparation for all of our winter tournaments. And you know, we're excited to get going. It's been fun to watch the. Uh, results of the basketball league tournaments and and see all the things that are going on throughout the state yeah one of the great things about the winter that we always talk about is that you have the destinations for the hockey and the basketball you have the whale and you have the mohegan sun Uh, as far as mohegan sun with the girls basketball how's that relationship progressing with mohegan and and is it you know looking like something that's going to be able to continue for a long time it's funny you should say that because on Friday we actually uh, we held our big meeting up in Mohegan. We always try to meet you know a couple of weeks before the tournament just to, to iron out all the details. And and whenever we leave that meeting up there, we just feel so so good because uh, Mohegan is a site that really loves having us there, and we love being there. Uh, we work extremely well together. I think what we've been able to build there uh, over the years has been, as you said, an exciting destination for our student athletes. And that run to the sun, you know, has become synonymous with the girls and boys basketball season. Um, yeah, so have the logistics changed, obviously, this year? Because we have, you know, two more games than we had the last couple years. Uh, one more game this year, but, you know, there's 10 games now. How is that stretching out, and, and how is that going to, you know, work up there this, this year? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. We have, Obviously, we've expanded the tournament, you know, through the boys' division first and now with the girls' uh, five divisions. So we have 10 games up there. So I think one of the, the uh, facts that people don't understand is we, we don't have Friday night at Mohegan. Right. They traditionally have concerts on that Friday night, and we're never allowed to be there. We do have the ability to play on Monday night, but the basketball committee, both boys and girls, felt, that anyone that was asked to play on that Monday night would kind of miss out on the, the greatness that is that weekend at Mohegan Sun. So we decided to go with five games on Saturday and five games on Sunday. You know, we understand that our student athletes will be getting home late on Sunday night, but it wouldn't be much different if we were playing on Monday night right. and the student athletes would be getting home as late as well. So we wanted everyone to feel like they were a part of the weekend, and uh, Mohegan Sun was more than welcome to to the idea of having five games Saturday and five games Sunday. So we're very excited. Yeah, the the early game Sunday I think was always an issue, right? For some for some schools, uh, how did that end up working out, and how were you able to get that you know get that in? Again, the board of control can give permission to play before 12:30 on a Sunday for a pre-scheduled game. So we asked for permission, and they granted it to us. And, you know, we always try our best to, to keep a school to keep a school that's reasonably close to us. Um, and Waterford uh, played in it one year at that 10 o'clock game. So, you know, it, it's difficult. But, you know, it's, you know when, we're, when we're offering uh, that facility and we have 10 games, you know, there's somebody's going to play early on Saturday and somebody's going to play early on Sunday. That's just the way it is. Right. Uh, I mean, it really gives the small schools, though, a chance to – play in such an awesome atmosphere how cool is it for those s schools when they get to do that it's really some of my favorite games to watch you know the Wamogo um cromwell game two years ago 
uh, just to watch those two teams play each other was was so much fun. And uh, again, watching the the, the the kids just enjoy it. The you know, Mohegan does such a wonderful job making everyone feel so special there. Whether it's uh, student athletes, whether it's the coaches, whether it's uh, unified players that we love our unified games up there. You know, the press, everyone involved, they make us feel very very special up there. And I think our student athletes truly enjoy the experience. Yeah, those unified games at halftime are really cool. Uh, is that always something that, that you guys wanted to do? Because it wasn't done before you got to Mohegan. Was that something yeah. that, that was really important to you guys to get in? Absolutely. You know, there's nothing. I mean, we just enjoy our, our unified sports program up here so much. And, and, and to have the opportunity for our unified sports student-athletes to get a chance to play at Mohegan. And we've been very lucky because – the unified sports program has grown so much in Connecticut. I think we're at like 95, 96, 97% of our schools have unified sports programs that we're oftentimes able to match unified sports programs with the schools that are playing in that game. So it's really cool to see, you know, the unified kids go out and play at halftime, you know, of a state championship game in which, you know, uh, their schools are actually participating. So it's just great. It's honestly my favorite part of the entire weekend is to watch the unified games. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I love all of it, but those unified games are cool, and those kids just love it so, so much. Um, all right, so the boys went to five divisions a couple years ago. Uh, the girls are doing it this year. Uh, can you take us through the decision process to, to get the girls to the five divisions also? Sure. Once we, once we had five divisions in the boys' tournament and that was approved, you know, the girls began to look at, the girls' basketball committee began to look at whether or not this is something they wanted to do as well. And the overwhelming support throughout the state, we did a survey among the, the coaches and athletic directors going to five divisions. It was overwhelmingly supported, so it really was a no-brainer. So we went to five divisions. You know, and then the problem you have is that the number of schools don't change. You have 183 basketball-playing schools in four divisions, and then you have 183 basketball-playing schools in five divisions. So you clearly now have much smaller divisions when you're going into the tournament. Right. So the, the girls' basketball committee had a lot of decisions to make. And then so then the decision they made was to fill the bracket. So when you look at double L now, there's only four teams not in it, same in L, same in double M. And I think in S there's six not in it. Um, so – how did that decision come about to fill the brackets as opposed to giving teams buys? Because now you have teams with three, sure. two and three wins getting in, right? Absolutely. And we understand the optic of that, and we understand that there are a lot of people who are under this impression that, you know, everyone gets a trophy, but it couldn't be any further from the truth. This was simply a logistical decision that the girls' basketball committee had to make. So I'll kind of take you through that okay. and so that people better understand that decision-making because, again – you know, I, I want to stress to you that all decisions on sports, whatever the sport might be, are made by our sport committees up here, right. which are made up of, you know, uh, high school administrators, coaches, and athletic directors. You know, uh, nobody here at CIAC votes on any committee. We don't have voting privileges. It's, it's all done by people that we hope are, are, you know, the experts on their sport. So... When the decision had to be made, the girls' basketball committee met upstairs and they began to talk about the different options. They looked at the formula that the boys were using or formulas in general and decided it just didn't apply to their sport. They did not feel that the problems that the boys were trying to address with their formula 
you know, fit the girls. Right. So that was kicked out right away. So now you're looking at do we fill the brackets, which had traditionally been done in the girls' basketball tournament, or do we not fill the brackets? So once they decided to not use a formula, the first decision that was made was that we would go um, with enrollment plus the success factor. But the problem with the success factor is that in pretty much in all sports they use that success factor, you know, you can only move up two divisions. Right. So the committee did not feel that moving up two divisions from, say, S to double M was enough. So the first thing they decided was they would look at a three-year time period and they would give the ability to move up three divisions to those schools that had had success in the tournament. Right. So that decision was made. Everyone agreed to it. That was done. So now the decision was to make to whether to fill the brackets or not fill the brackets. And quite honestly, when you look at the, the, the one thing that I need to stress to you is that the girls' basketball tournament is different than the boys' basketball tournament. In, terms, in terms of the time, right? Probably, yeah, exactly. The yeah. girls' basketball tournament really is the only tournament that runs over a three-week time period because the two sports don't begin on the same day, but yet have to end on the same day. Right. So the, here's what the committee thought, and we're really at a, a great time to talk about this because it's so applicable to today. So several of our leagues play their semifinals today for girls' basketball. So they're playing it on Monday the 24th. So some team, two teams are going to lose today who are probably going to be reasonably high seeds in their tournament. Sure. Which means they would have gotten a bye in the first round if we didn't fill the tournament. So you play on the 24th of February and then not play again until March 5th or March 6th. Right. Nobody on the tournament committee thought it was a good idea to have our student-athletes and our teams waiting eight, nine, ten days to play games. We also had the fear of a double bye. Right. You know, in Class S this year, we had 19 teams qualify for the tournament. Had a couple of teams lost a game here or there, and we wound up with 15 or 14 teams, especially in Class S. The potential for a double bye existed. Nobody on the committee wanted to see a team go into the quarterfinals without having played a game yet. Right. And, so I mean, they decided... So the committee decided that for one year, they put together a one-year uh, decision that we would try filling the brackets, understanding there were going to be teams that were going to have records you know, that didn't really qualify for the tournament in any other year. But after one year, like, like in all things up here, we'll evaluate it, we'll take a look at it, and see what works best. But again, the coaches on the committee felt very strongly that they did not want to have the huge amount of time off that many teams would have had had we not filled the brackets. Uh, so we understand that. That's why you wanted to fill the brackets. But is there a case where the, the regular season becomes a, a little less meaningful if a, if a team with three or two wins is getting in? And is that one thing that will be looked at after the season? I think everything will be looked at. We try to evaluate everything all the time. You know, we have a postseason meeting for the, the committees who sit and go over the whole tournament, go over the whole season, try to see what's working, what's not working, what proposals have been made perhaps to, to change, you know, what we're doing at the time. But honestly, uh, when the choice was made between those two factors, the committee itself felt very strongly that we needed to try this for a year 
I, I don't think it diminishes the regular season, quite honestly. You're, you know, you're going out on those Tuesdays and Friday nights, and you're enjoying playing basketball. Because, yep. again, that's what it's really all about. You're enjoying playing for a team. And it's education-based athletics. It's a part of your, your day. So, obviously, if, if the boys are going to have five, the girls are going to have five. It's a, it's a question of equality. So, will, is the committee ever going to consider taking the boys back to four, keeping the D1, but then just having three class divisions? Is that something that, that would be discussed after the season? That, again, would need the, the strong momentum behind it from our member schools. You know, our member schools could, could propose to the basketball committee a, a change like that. But that would have to come from uh, it would come from one of four sources, you know, the Connecticut Associ Association of Athletic Directors, the Connecticut High School Coaches Association, any league or any member principal can make a proposal to CIAC. So if there were leagues out there who felt strongly they wanted to go to four divisions, you know, oftentimes they'll present a proposal with a rationale to us, and then it'll be evaluated by the committee. I mean, I don't hear that at all. I think the vast majority of our member schools are very happy with the boys' basketball tournament. And, you know, we promised that after three years um, we were going to take a deep dive and form a committee to take a good, hard look at the formula and the tournament that it had created, you know, over the three years, and then figure out if there were changes that needed to be made. So we're here. Here we are at the end of year three. So that's, you know, the, the, the talks about that subcommittee being formed are already underway. Okay. Uh, so that, I think those are all good answers and fair answers that you gave there. Uh, another issue that comes up a lot that we hear about a lot uh, is shot clocks in the boys and girls basketball. Is that something that comes up every season with you guys? And uh, is that a discussion that sure. you guys are having? Yep, sure. We, um, again, I serve as the CIAC liaison to the boys and girls basketball committee. So I go out to the summer meeting every year for the National Federation of High Schools and when you go into the basketball meeting, <laughs> the number one you know, item on the agenda every single year is shot clock. Right. And I think if, if people better understood that only eight associations in the country use the shot clock, you know, that we're kind of in the vast majority of, of, of associations that don't use the shot clock, they would you know, better understand that we're not archaic and we're not behind the times. You know, you always <laughs> see the... You always see the people writing about how, you know, uh, we need to do this for the kids who are going to the next level. We need to make this change. And, again, we, we don't, we're not you know, an association that's trying to create kids going to the next level. Right. That has nothing to do with why we play sports. You know, we, we create education-based athletic opportunities for our student-athletes, and if those 3 to 5% of the kids that are going on to play at the next level are being hindered by a shot clock, I would say the vast, vast, vast majority of, of student-athletes playing basketball in Connecticut do not go on to play at the next level. Right. So with that said, with that said, and knowing that it's always a topic, I ask permission of the basketball committee to survey the membership here in Connecticut so we had a better understanding as to whether they, a shot clock was desired by our coaches and our athletic directors or not. So I did that last year, last spring. The coaches overwhelmingly are in favor, no big surprise there, for a shot clock. And the, the majority of athletic directors seem to be in favor of it as well. So I brought that information to the basketball committee. It was discussed at length. Because it is not a national federation rule, 
and we are a 100%, you know, we comply with national federation rules in all of our sports 100%. It is not something that the committee wants to consider and that we lose, you know, our seat on national committees and everything that has to do with basketball if we choose to use a shot clock. I mean, I've been one who's feels like it's not necessary and one of the reasons is I think it it's cost it costs a lot for these schools they have to get someone to run it and then someone run it properly is that something that's always discussed when you do discuss the shot clocks like implementing them at all these schools which is a lot of schools and a lot of schools that don't have a ton of money and then having them run properly for every game that that has to be an issue you guys discuss right absolutely that's one of the primary issues you know besides the fact that you know it's not endorsed by the national federation of high schools is that it is, you know, there are financial implications to our member schools, but our member schools, people don't understand. If you're going to play a shot clock, you've got to have it at the freshman level, the JV level, and the varsity level. Right. So now you have to have a shot clock operator, besides your scoreboard operator, sitting at the table for every single game and working in coordination with the officials to make sure the shot clock is running properly. Yeah. Many states endorse having three officials on each game in which they use a shot clock in order for it to run the right way. Right. So our member schools certainly aren't going don't want to pay a shot clock operator as well as perhaps a third official on every game in order to ensure that it's running properly. Yeah. But uh, again, if our member just to stress to you, Scott, yeah. if our membership came to us and said, you know, here's a proposal from two or three leagues Here's our rationale. We want you to, to, to seriously consider using a shot clock. It would be vetted. It would be we'd go through a long vetting process, and if the process turned out to be positive, we would do it. Yeah. As long as the Board of Control was willing to go along with the fact that we would be in violation of National Federation rules, we would go ahead and do it because yeah. that's what our membership wants. Our membership drives all decisions up here. Again, I, I often think people, when I read comments on articles, think that you know four guys smoking cigars in a room up here <laughs> make every decision for the CIAC. I love yes. when I hear the CIAC did this. I, I don't know who they're talking about <laughs> because, quite honestly, the membership drives every decision up here. You know, the Board of Control has given power to each sport committee to run their sport, yeah. and they, they choose what they want to do within their sport. So there's no one up here telling those committees. I mean, I, like I said, I'm, I'm the CIC liaison to more committees up here than anyone else. And I can promise you I've never voted on an issue once. Yeah, I think that is one thing that gets lost is that everyone – the decisions come from you guys. You know, you announce them. But they don't understand that it's membership-driven, everything you guys do. I mean, so I'm glad you made that point here today because you do hear that all the time. The CIAC did this. The CIAC did that. I mean, you're just facilitating – the schools to do it, right? Correct. And I think my favorite line always is the CIAC move this team to this division or the CIAC move them up or move them down. I kind of laugh out loud when I see that, like their enrollment moved them up or down. <laughs> right. You know, or, or their points in our formula in a sport like boys basketball move them up or down. We didn't sit here and move teams. Uh, they moved this one because they, uh, it's just silly. I mean, the vast majority of our tournaments up here are based strictly on enrollment. If your enrollment changes, you might change division. 
Uh, all right, here's some important questions. Now, now that we've gotten that out of the way, you guys are in Cheshire. I can't wait. I okay. can't wait for important questions. Here we go. <laughs> uh, you guys are in Cheshire. Now, when I come to Cheshire, I always hit up Blackie's, the, you know, the, the hot dog spot. Where else can we go in Cheshire to, to get some good food? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, how, what, what, at what level do you want to pay? There's a lot of nice restaurants here in, in Cheshire. I, I, know, I think I think um, I think we know that we're talking a little lower. We're talking diners, delis, <laughs> you know, pizza places, stuff like delis. that. Pops, pops, pops is our our, our go to place here. When we have, you know, we host meetings up here almost every day, and if those meetings are having a lunch, we tend to go to Pops, which makes a great Itali- has a great Italian menu. So I would strongly suggest Pops. Awesome, that's so good. Uh, listen, Greg, we really appreciate you coming on. We know how busy you guys are this time of year. And, uh, you know, thanks for giving us some clarity on, on some of these issues that we know are going to be discussed a lot over the next couple of weeks. So thank you so much for joining well, thanks us. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks so much for giving me the opportunity. And I sincerely mean thank you to, to all you do for our student athletes here in Connecticut. Thanks so much, Greg. I appreciate that. All right. Have a great day. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, I think that was a pretty informative interview with uh, with Greg Simon. What'd you think there? Well, yeah, really insightful on how they decide some of the things. And if you're not totally informed, he uh, really clears some things up. Yeah, I think that, you know, the important thing is, you know, that people always do say the CIAC did this, the CIAC did that, and it, and that it is member driven. Most of the stuff, the CIAC obviously is involved in decision making, but it is member driven. That's important to learn. Um, you know, I think they need to look at these girl tournaments. I, I just think that having five divisions is is too many and uh, i understand that if the boys are going to keep five the girls will keep five so then obviously we need to look at the boys and whether we can do that um and one of the things i didn't discuss with him is though obviously there's a financial reward for the ciac for having an entire extra tournament i mean because they charge admission for every game uh they get that money and then you get an extra uh, attendance game at mohegan too so it's a significant amount of money that you generate from having an extra tournament uh, so I know that's probably a factor for them, but it's just, uh, in my opinion, the girls' tournaments are too diluted. Um, we will talk about that next week, because next week we'll have all the, all the pairings set up. I mean, you kind of can look at it now and know where everyone's going, but next week will be our state tournament preview. Will and I will be back. We'll make predictions for the entire state tournament, uh, and that's always one of our most fun episodes of the year. Uh, so for Will, I'm Scott, and we will see you next week on Give and Go. Give and Go.